1: from decrypt media this is the decrypt daily and my name is matthew diemer today on the show norway and taxes nigeria and bitcoin (laughs) and we talk about decentralized movie production that's coming up today on the decrypt daily what's up everybody welcome to the show april 22nd 2021 it's a thursday by the way and it's also earth day earth day go do something nice for the environment pick up a bottle throw away a can, pick up a plastic bag and put some other garbage and stuff in there and put it in the dumpster. Now I know skeptics are going to be like, oh, but the dumpster and the trash goes to the landfill and it's on earth anyway. Guys, come on please. That's just semantics. Please just do something nice. But you know, I've been thinking a lot lately about birds. Yeah, birds. Northeast Ohio. remember when I was a kid, there was like flocks of birds, like hundreds of birds everywhere. Big flocks. And they land on the power lines and they poop all over the place and they, you know they're all up in the trees and and the older that I got, the less birds that I see. I don't see flocks like that anymore. And I want to start researching the decline, if there's a decline, in the bird population in Northeast Ohio or maybe just the United States in general or the globe. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Or maybe I'm remembering things wrong. Or because I was a little kid, like just 10 birds seem like a huge flock. Now that I'm older, I see the same flock and it just doesn't have the same you know, weight to me. But I really think I remember when I was a kid, there used to be flocks of birds Everywhere and I don't see that now and that disturbs me Where are the birds? I want to know where the birds are you guys came to a crypto show and I'm talking about birds <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that it has nothing to do with crypto sorry about that just a thought I've been thinking about for the past couple months about birds but now let's think about those crypto prices
0: Here comes the money Here we go money talk.
1: And I'm recording this at 1115 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $54,655, down 1.5% in 24 hours, and in 7 days down 13.1%. I don't know what's going on in Bitcoin. I mean, look, I'm not worried that it's like the end of the bull market and it's going into a bear market or a crypto win or anything, but because you see that Ethereum looks like it's breaking all-time highs <laughs> let me go check that out really quick it looks like it's breaking all-time highs and that's interesting that ethereum's up other cryptocurrencies are soaring and bitcoin's kind of sliding down basically it looks like bitcoin is taking a little bit of money and putting it into alts right now and uh just kind of like rebalancing the market a little bit and i think we're gonna see a bitcoin bull here really really soon and moving into Ethereum, the all-time high was as I'm looking right now just was set 15 minutes ago at $2603.56. New all-time high for Ethereum. The price right now is $2594.81 up 9% and 5% in 7 days. Binance Coin is in the number 3 spot at $554.28 down 1.3% in 24 or up in 7 days. XRP is in the number 4 spot at $1.32, down 3.3%, while Tether's at number 5 and Cardano's at number 6 at $1.23, down a percent, and down 17% in 7 days. Dogecoin number 7, 28.9 cents, 8 Polkadot, 9 Uniswap, and 10 Litecoin. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency, we're at $2.06 trillion, and a BTC dominance of 49.6%. And in our main conversation today, I talked to Emmy Award-nominated producer David Cormican. And he's going to talk about, well, you funding a movie, you deciding on the production, you making decisions for the movie. This is all via blockchain and decentralized decision-making, and deciding what movies are made and which movies are not. Taking a little power back to the people, the consumers, the people who want to see these movies, see movies that are made that just are outside the Hollywood mainstream. That makes me happy because I love movies, and I need more original movies coming out. Anyway, here's David and myself talking about making movies. Thanks for having me. One of the most interesting—is that even a correct way to use English? Uh, most interesting. Anyway, one, one of the most interesting things I—oh, thank you. <laughs> one of the most, <laughs> most, most Damn it, David. One of the most interesting things I, I've, I've come across the past couple of weeks on this show was mogul and the ability for the average person to invest in movies and the directors and producers to raise money from a crowdsourcing to make the movies that they want to make without relying on, say, either big budget or having to really worry about their PL and 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 they can just take the creation, reach out to people, get money and make movies. I want you to do me a quick favor, actually, even, even though I already done it. Um, tell me a quick one on one on what is mogul. And then I want you to go into the movie that raised money that is almost ready for people to put their eyes on.
0: Right on. So Mogul is a decentralized film financing platform where we basically are combining filmmakers plus investors plus fans and allowing fans to leverage their voice in the filmmaking process so they can actually start to see films that they want to be seen uh, and get made and, you know, and have their part in that process. And what's your part of this process? Uh, I'm an advisor but I mean I come to this industry as a filmmaker uh, myself I'm a screenwriter and a producer and uh, I've been with Mogul for the last uh, couple of years sort of you know being putting in my vo- my voice and my two cents and, and bringing projects to the platform and filmmakers in and uh, you know, sort of doing a lot of the stress testing, uh, in terms of, you know, what makes sense, um, what would you call it, you know, sort of refining the model, so to speak, so that it's something that we think is viable long-term and can also, you know, sort of be a part of that continuous model that we are envisioning.
1: Excellent. You know, Mogo has been on the show before and we've talked about the process, but you just said refining the process. What does refining the process mean? And what process is that?
0: Well, what's been super exciting about this for me and and sort of getting to know everyone on the tech side is that it's very, it's a very iterative process, right? And so everyone is very much, um, you know, there is no failure. There's only feedback and it's all about, you know, engagement with your audience, which is something that's pretty different and mostly foreign to uh, the filmmaking and the, the, you know, the film industry itself in the sense that we like to hold things really close to our chest. We like to be very secretive about the projects and only ones we are ready to launch do we start to talk about it and get it out there and engage with fans? And the idea here is that that's almost a little too late, especially in this day and age where there's so much noise and so many eyeballs that are being competed for. And so the idea here is that we're going to start earlier, bring people into that process, have them let their voice be heard, and you know, let's use their opinion and let's empower them in this process so that when it comes time to launch, we've already got this well-established audience and they're already our biggest cheerleaders and supporters out there.
1: Excellent, man. Look, I, and I want everybody just to frame this really quick. Uh, You know, a little bit about the process. You're an Emmy nominated producer, and this is something that you're going, like I said, you're, 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 you're an old hat at, tell me about the difference that you feel as a producer between the collaboration, between the collaborative process that you said, and then making a traditional film.
0: Well, maybe I'll talk about what I'm sort of most excited about in this is that we have a chance to do, like, I feel like Historically, we sort of get handcuffed a little bit as filmmakers with our projects in that we're not allowed to talk about it or brag about it or engage with the audience until, like I said earlier, like I feel it's almost a little too late because the distributor or the broadcasters, they want to sort of keep their hands around the marketing and the messaging and what we're allowed to do here now is to engage people right from day one. We have, you know, say we run into a problem and we want to, we've got, you know, three different solutions that are in front of us and we like them all, but we don't know what to do. We can throw that to the audience. And I think traditionally people would be so nervous about that because it looks like, oh my God, they don't know what they're doing or, um, you know who's steering the ship. But the reality is like, well, no, no there's still a steady hand at the wheel here we just got a, a you know a myriad of options that we want your input on because ultimately it's you who's going to watch it at the end of the day right and so we want to make sure that you love what you're watching and you feel a bit of uh, you know a piece of ownership over that and that's what can really sort of happen here as well that i think is even You know, this is where filmmaking becomes even more exciting is that we're not just bringing you in for your opinions, but we're also bringing in unique rewards and experiences. So um, if you're maybe familiar with the platform a little bit, we did launch our Stars uh, Access Pass, uh, you know, recently. And what that allows fans to do is to leverage the Stars tokens to redeem for unique prizes, rewards, experiences. Um, And that's where I think this really sort of elevates us from other offerings that are out there in that we can, you know, really sort of, Curate uh, a really bespoke experience for our fan base on each film.
1: Just because I think that this is super interesting, I got to ask one more question about the traditional space or the, the, traditional movie space. Where's the control at? Where's where's the shackles at? You said that you know the there's the um, marketing company or the you know distribution company that are saying we got to hold off on blah blah blah. Whatever you want to go out there and say as a producer or as a director or as somebody that's really you know excited about the film. Where are those shackles at? Because I don't think that we understand from a I don't know just a person who watches movies point of view.
0: Uh, I mean, it really depends on on the model for each film, right? Uh, sometimes it's the producer who holds all the control. Sometimes it's the studio. Other times it might be one of the the key financiers. Um, it could be the sales company. You know, it's it's it could be a wide variety of people uh, on that front. Um, you know, so it just it really depends on a on a per project basis, to be honest. Okay,
1: so it's is the contract? It's like yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. or who puts
1: up who, or who puts up the most money? Is that how it usually goes? Yeah, it's usually we say he who
0: has the peso has the say so okay gotcha gotcha tell me about bonded uh so bonded is a social impact drama it stars jason patrick alfredo castro uh paulina uh, gaitan francisco dennis sam levine uh, and also ari lopez it's a um it's sort of set in the world of this we follow this child who has these dreams and aspirations of being a big soccer star down in the future you know uh for those of you in europe a football star and uh unfortunately he sort of gets duped into this world where he gets trafficked and uh he gets sort of sold into slavery and into a sweatshop in in la of all places right so it's happening in in our backyards in in our neighborhoods and in our communities and uh you know he sort of has to work his way out of that world
1: is this based on a true story or
0: it's inspired by a true story yeah absolutely hey, yeah yeah this, this okay. is happening more more often than than we want to sort of think or care about
1: in- interesting interesting um Tell me about the funding model for this. How did this get created?
0: Well, so this, this film actually is one of the very earliest films that Mogul was involved in. Uh, and it was right at the script stage, which I know isn't sort of part of our normal process. But back when we were beginning all of this and developing on the platform and the model, we wanted to you know sort of gather some intelligence and learning. And uh, there were several projects that were invested in. And this was the one that really sort of lit our fuse in the sense that the engagement and the information that was being shared by the producers on this project and the director, uh, Mohit was, it was like, uh, it was next level in the terms of how they were, I don't want to say spoon feeding, but just sort of like giving us all of the salient information that kept us feeling involved in the process. And that's what sort of inspired us to go even further in this. And so it was on the, uh, on a very earlier beta version of our platform. Um, But since that time, and this is what's kind of cool is they actually were able to raise their own financing independently of Mogul. um, And they've gone out and shot the movie. And now we've also, because of you know, being an early investor in that, we've been kept up and and involved in that process. And so what we're doing now is we're actually providing some finishing funds for it, because we want to make it extra special, because we see what we have on our hands here. So we're putting a little extra money into the visual effects and into the music, things like that to just really sort of elevate it.
1: So is this uh, money coming from Mogul itself, or is it coming from crowdsourced uh, funds?
0: Well, this is a a mogul investment, and I guess that's sort of where the lines start to blur in the sense that, you know, we have been doing a bit of a raise right now in the access pass side of things, but we also do have private investors that have already placed uh, funds within the company. Amazing.
1: How can people watch
0: this, or how will people
1: be able to watch this?
0: Well, that's the magic uh, question right now. You're going to have to stay tuned for that. We've got a couple of festivals that we're in dialogues and submissions with at the moment, Uh, and then, yeah, I guess sort of sky is the limit at this point.
1: Emmy-nominated producer, David Cormican, thank you very much for coming on and talking about Mogul, Bonded, and, well, just the whole industry in general. Absolutely. Really appreciate it, and thanks for having me. And in today's headlines, if you live in Norway and you have cryptocurrencies, you better start paying your taxes because the NTA, or the Norwegian Tax Administration, said April 30th is your deadline to claim your crypto because they identified 70,000 individuals who own cryptocurrencies in 2020. However... They did not pay many taxes. Last year, the estimated number of crypto users in Norway was between 190,000 to 235,000. But only 4,700 people filed tax returns. Guys, you only have 22% tax rate for your crypto earnings. You might want to do that. You might want to file them. Or Norway says that they're going to give you a hefty fine for not doing so. Eh, This isn't financial advice or crypto advice or tax advice. Just saying that they're giving the warning. And if you're Norwegian and you're not paying your taxes they might be looking closely at you. If you guys remember, we reported on the show that financial institutions in Nigeria were banned to trade with crypto companies or crypto institutions. They said you can't facilitate crypto transactions anymore. And well, the people of Nigeria put their middle fingers firmly in the air, high up, and said, we don't need you. We don't need you because P2P or person-to-person trading volumes are surging in Nigeria. And I really like this because you do not need a government authority, a bank or whoever. You can find banks, government authorities, ban it. But Bitcoin can thrive without those institutions. You want Bitcoin? I have Bitcoin. I can sell you Bitcoin for cash, a, an asset, a car, a stereo, a house, whatever, some clothing. And we can transact outside of the traditional finance system. This is why people are trying to secure or paint a hedge against their government financial systems because they don't trust it ban it. Why? So you can control the people, control what they buy, they sell, how they transact. And they're saying like, no, we can make this a system outside of this traditional financial system in case, just in case you guys go and push a little too far. We got this. We need to protect ourselves. We need to continue to trade and make a living for ourselves. And Bitcoin might be a way. Well, at least in Nigeria, P2P trading is going up. And I think that this is a beautiful thing. This really shows that Bitcoin is truly unstoppable. At the same time, it offers security for the individual to know that life can go on outside of a bank. Please don't have another scam. Please, no more scams. Turkish cryptocurrency exchange, Thodex, 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 whatever, never heard of it before, but apparently they have between 2 to $10 billion locked up somewhere because they just said this morning, without prior notice, that they are locking up the funds of 391,000 active traders. This exchange has been operating since 2017. And in a shared statement today on Twitter, citing that unspecified outside investment required the suspension of trading for four to five days. Is this a scam? Are they running with the money? Are these traders going to get their money back or be able to trade or withdraw their cryptocurrencies? I have no clue. Please, no more scams, crypto space, please. Well, if it is, 391,000 active traders might be out between 2 to $10 billion. And finally... Cuba, as you guys know, public policy is discussed and decided on in a massive assembly by the country's Communist Party. And the Communist Party of Cuba said, hey, let's try to, in quote, advance the study of cryptocurrencies in the current conditions of the economy, end quote. So amidst the global economic sanctions initiated by the United States, they're looking at cryptocurrency to maybe make some economic gains. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to deemerforcongress.com 4 congresscom That's D-I-E-M-E-R for Congress.com. Donate to the campaign. Blockchain advocates in Washington, D.C. We need that. If you guys are always worried that the government might block or ban or try to disrupt this industry, well, you know what? If you get people in Congress that want to continue this industry and advocate for it, we won't have to worry about that. I'm that guy. Help me out. Also, go to MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. Send me your listener questions tomorrow's listener questions day. I will answer those on air and Apple podcasts. Like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. Until tomorrow, listener questions. Happy hodling, everyone.